We are wrapping up a series today that we have been in over the last few weeks called Good Work. And we have been uh, using Ephesians 2.10 is kind of our theme verse, which says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we've been talking about over the last few weeks about the good work that God has for each one of us. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. When he created you, he created you to do good works that would impact the world for Christ. And we've been asking ourselves, what is that good work that God has for me to do on this earth to shine the light of Christ? What has he put me on this earth to do? We talked about the fact that God has put us on the earth to shine light into the darkness. We talked about the fact that we need to be the ones influencing the darkness, influencing the world, not letting it influence us and change us. And last week we talked about the good work of loving others by praying for them, by caring for them, and by telling them the good news of the gospel. So we've been praying that as we have been talking about this topic, that God has been crystallizing in your heart the good work that he is calling you to do. We've been praying that some things will start to rise to the surface, some things that God wants to continue to do in our lives. You know, sometimes we get so busy with all the real everyday things in our lives that we forget that we're on mission. We forget that we're here for a reason. We let all the other responsibilities and passions fill up our days and we forget to approach every single day with the knowledge that God has a plan for your life for that day. That there's something that he wants to do in and through you every single day. That God has a good work from you. That as you go about your job and taking care of your family and going to school and serving your community, that every single moment has the potential to shine the light of Christ into a very dark world. And so as we wrap up today, I want to focus uh, one last verse that talks about the good work that God does in us. And it's one of my all-time favorite verses. It's found in Philippians 1.6. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me today. That's where we'll be hanging out. And it says this, Philippians 1.6. And I am certain... That God, who began the good work in, within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. That he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. The God who started the work will be faithful to finish it. It's one of my favorite verses because what a beautiful promise, right? What a beautiful encouragement that God is going to finish what he has started in you. So let's get a little more context behind this verse. And I think you're going to find it a little more meaningful. So this was written by the Apostle Paul. And Paul is writing this letter to the church in Philippi. Now, the church at Philippi was a church that Paul had helped start on his second missionary journey. Now, Philippi was in Greece, and no one had shared the gospel there until Paul showed up. So this was the very first time that anyone had ever shared the gospel in Europe. So God had called Paul, gave him a vision of a man going to Macedonia. And so Paul had this vision that he was supposed to go and share the gospel. So he had gone to Philippi. 
And the very first convert in Europe was in Philippi. So if you have European heritage in your bones, this is your moment. This is when the gospel showed up there. And by the way, the first convert there was a woman named Lydia. When Paul first showed up in Philippi and started sharing the gospel, he was vehemently and violently opposed by the people there. They did not want him there. And so he was uh, arrested and opposed. And eventually he's asked to leave. And so he leaves, but not before a very small group of believers starts to gather together. People who have found Christ, Lydia, and then there was another one and another one. And so Paul eventually has to leave Philippi, but not before this small group of people begins meeting together. And then about six years later, Paul returns to Philippi on his third missionary journey. And he gets the joy of seeing how this small little group of people that he had left six years earlier has now grown and grown and grown, and now is a fully established church. How this little group of people that he had left have taken the gospel, and God has now established an actual church here in Philippi. And now, as Paul is writing this letter, it's probably about six to ten years after that third journey, and now Paul is in Rome, and Paul is in prison, and Paul is at the end of his life. He will never be free again. When Paul is writing this letter, he pretty much knows that this imprisonment is going to turn into execution. And he is at the very end of his life. He's under house arrest in Rome. And a man named Epaphroditus has come and brought a monetary gift from the people in the church of Philippi. Okay, church in Philippi, Paul's friends, he hasn't seen him for six to ten years. They hear Paul's been arrested and he's in prison. So they gather up and they're very poor. They gather anything they can together because they want to encourage their buddy Paul. And they send a man to Rome and he hands Paul this gift and says, hey, we remembered you. We just wanted you to know we're thinking about you. And he delivers this gift to Paul to show them their love and support. So Paul sits down to write a letter back to the church in Philippi that Epaphroditus is going to take now that he's delivered his gift. He's going to pick up this letter back and deliver it back to the church in Philippi. You now know where the book of Philippians comes from. So that is the history. This is what's happening in this moment, right? So now let me give you a little more context about what the church in Philippi is dealing with at this time. They are experiencing much persecution and opposition to the gospel. The world around them isn't just indifferent to their faith, it is hostile to their faith. The church as a whole is exceptionally poor. Paul in his letter begins to warn them about false teachers who were starting to infiltrate the church and trying to turn their theology a little bit. And we see later on in Philippians that there are members who do not like each other and they are fighting a little bit in-house. In so they're facing obstacles from the outside in and obstacles from the inside out. So Paul, when he sits down to write this letter, he's writing this letter to encourage them and bless them and strengthen them during a very difficult time. Isn't it beautiful how they're thinking of each other and caring for one another? They're, they haven't forgot about their friends. Paul loves these people deeply. They are his best friends his beloved co-workers, his pride and joy. And he realized that this would probably be the last time he would ever write them anything. He is aware that this might be it. And so when we read this first part of Philippians 1, 
knowing a little bit of history, knowing the context and knowing about this relationship, let's read it again and take a, little, a few other verses with it, starting in verse 3 this time. Philippians 1.3, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. And whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I am certain that God, who began this good work within you, will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Isn't that beautiful? Paul wants them to know that the God who had given him a vision and sent him to Macedonia all those years ago, that the God who had moved on the heart of Lydia, the very first person to receive the good news, that the God who had been with them as they started this beautiful new church in Philippi when it was just two and three and then four and then five, that the God who had been with them through all the ups and downs and persecutions and struggles would be the God who would continue to stay with them. He would be the God who would keep working in them and through them. That even if Paul was never able to see them again, that God would continue to show up for these believers. That the God who began the good work in their individual lives and in their church would keep doing that work until the day that Christ returned and our time on earth was over. What an encouraging message for us today, right? He's basically saying you're going to make it. God's not done working in your life. God is going to keep showing up and showing up and moving and working. And you're going to continue to see the faithfulness of God. He's saying, I know that it's hard. I know you're facing a lot of obstacles. I know that when you look at your circumstances, you might not think there's any way that the gospel can keep moving forward, that there's any way that your lives could continue to matter. And yet I'm telling you that the God who started this whole thing is not going to give up on you until it's all done. What an encouraging word. So today, wherever you feel overwhelmed about the circumstances of your life, whether they're from the outside in or the inside out, know that God will keep working in your life and circumstance until the day you take your very last breath. There's not a moment that he is not going to keep working. So this is a great encouragement today. So I want to highlight two parts of this verse that will show us how God is going to accomplish this good work and complete it in us. The first thing is this. Number one, God starts the work. God starts the work. Hebrews 12.2 tells us we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Other versions say he's the author and the finisher of our faith. Let me ask you a question. How did you come to faith? How have you grown in your relationship with the Lord? How do you know what the good work is that God has in your life? Is it just by accident that you happen to stumble into a church one day? Have you just kind of figured out on your own what the next step is in growing and becoming a more devoted follower of Christ? Did you just decide on your own how you were going to serve the kingdom of God? Like, today I think I'm going to be a preacher. I don't know. Did, you just, did it just happen? Or 
Did God initiate the work in your life? First, initiating salvation. Is it God who drew you to himself through the power of the Holy Spirit? That God orchestrated all of the things in your life to initiate that salvation experience. And is it God who continued to initiate and speak to you and show you the next steps in your maturity and how to deepen your walk with Christ? And is it God who gifted you before you were even born with the passions and skills that would enable you to do the work on earth that God had planned for you to do? God initiated the work in you. God started it. He initiated it. God started the work. Now, some of you deep thinkers are now asking this big theological question. Well, if God initiates our faith, why isn't everyone saved? That's a very, very good question, right? Why are some saved and some never get their life to Christ? If God is initiating faith, why is it that not everyone comes to faith? Well, the reality is God initiates faith in everybody. God is calling to all of humanity. There's nobody that he's like, eh, a little indifferent towards. No, every single person on earth. He has a plan. He's calling to them. He's drawing them to himself, right? God initiates the work in all humanity, but we have a choice as to how we're going to respond to it. We always have free will. God does not force anyone to respond to the initiatives that he is doing in your life. God is initiating things in you all the time, but it's up to you whether or not you are going to do the work. He will not force anyone to respond. God is always working on the hearts of people to draw them to himself, but they have to respond to that initiative. Let me read you a quote from a commentary I was reading this week that is so good. It's talking about the people in Philippi. The ground of St. Paul's confidence in their perseverance is the belief that it was God's grace who began the work in them and that not being resisted, as was obvious by their enthusiasm for good, he would complete what he had begun. In his view, God's grace is the beginning and the end, and man's cooperation lies in the intermediate process linking both of those together. Isn't that good? God has started the work in your life. God has initiated faith. God has initiated growth. God has initiated calling. The only factor that is up for grounds is your cooperation with that work. That's the only thing up for grabs. God has said, I'm here. I'm going to do it. I'll bring you to salvation. I'll help you to grow and mature. I'll show you the plans and purposes I have for your life. I will complete a work. I will do more than you could ever imagine to shine light in the darkness if you will cooperate with my initiatives. I don't know about you, but this is very reassuring to me that God is at work, right? Now, Jeff and I are both the youngest kids with very bossy older siblings. Very Mine's right there, actually. She's not denying it. <laughs> Very bossy older siblings. And so I, I don't mind not being in charge, right? To me, it's a little like, so just tell me what to do. And sometimes Jeff and I will look at each other like, who's in charge? And then we'll go, oh, I think, I think it's us. I think, I think we're at the stage of life where we have to be the grown-ups, right? 
But I love going on trips with friends because there's always a moment when we're traveling with friends that you go, oh, they're going to be the grown-up this week. Can anybody relate to that? And you're like, oh, good. They're going to decide where we're going to go. They're going to make sure the rental car is ready to go. They're going to make sure we go. Now, do you know who the very best is at this? Colonel Jeff Merrick's. If you've ever walked in an airport with Colonel Jeff Merrick's, you don't have to know anything about where you're going. You don't have to know your gate number, your flight number, what time you need to get on, because he's literally going to just walk backwards in front of you and do this. Like, we're going here. And then when it's time to get on the plane, he'll stand on a chair. We're boarding the plane now. You may not go to the bathroom for the next five minutes. Like, he takes his role seriously. It's my favorite thing. You know why? When I travel with the colonel, I don't have to think about anything. I don't have to carry any responsibility. I don't have to think about all the little details. I don't have to think about what gate I need to be at or where I need to go. I can just relax and read my book and enjoy the journey because I know he's going to tell me when it's time to get on that plane. He's going to tell me where to go. He's going to tell me where I'm going to eat. He's going to tell me everything. And that feels really great when you're trying to have vacation because sometimes you just don't want to have to think about all those things, right? Listen, God is the kernel of your life. <laughs> he started this work. He is in charge. And he is very good at it. We just have to cooperate. Have you ever been on a trip with two kernels? Two bossy people? No, we're not going that way. We're going to go this way. Well, I think this way's faster. No, we're going to go this way. And you're just like, I don't know. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. Do I go this way? I don't know. Is it this and that's not fun. When there are two people trying to make decisions, when there's a battle over control, that's not fun at all. And some of you are in a constant state of anxiety and confusion because you have failed to yield to the one who has started the work in you. He knows what he's doing. He started it. He knows where he's taking you. And if you will simply cooperate and listen and follow where he's leading, you're going to find your anxiety levels going down, this peace and confidence of, I don't really know what's going on, but I don't have to know every little detail. God started the work. He's going to finish the work. He's going to show me where to go. God knows what you need. He knows what's next. Your job is to cooperate with the work. So number one, God starts the work. And secondly, God finishes the work. Now, this is a game changer. I want to look at a verse a little further on in Philippians in chapter 2, verse 13, and it says this, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. God is giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Now, when you desire something, you want to do it, right? You want to do it. When you have the power to do something, you have the ability to do it. So this is saying that God's good work in your life is to give you the desire to want to do the things that he has planned for you. This is really powerful that when we submit ourselves to the authority of Christ, that he has the ability to change our desires, to make us begin to want the things of God to begin to want more of him, that we hate the things that he doesn't have for us. 
that when we allow him to fill us up, then he gives us the power to walk out those desires. This is how God finishes the work. He begins to change us by giving us the desire and the power to serve him. So I was thinking, I have a little illustration here. I was thinking about my morning cup of coffee. Now, I like cream in my coffee. Anybody? Colonel, he's so bossy. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Okay, so I like, I like cream in my coffee, and I like a lot of cream in my coffee. This is real stuff. I like the chemical stuff. Don't judge me. I like it. Okay. That's a lot of cream in there. But I could keep adding cream a little bit every day, right? A little bit more. Sometimes I do this. I'm like, ooh, I think I want a little more. Ooh, a little more. Let me ask you a question. At what point does this become not a cup of coffee and just a cup of cream? There's got to be, like, some kind of ratio and some kind of place where, yeah, you know, and Jeff will be like, That's, you're not even drinking coffee anymore. It's just a cup of milk. Like, this is what God does in our lives, okay? As we keep allowing God to fill us more and more and more and more, pretty soon that old person, that ratio starts to change. That ratio starts to grow. More of God, less of me. More of God, less of me. And the next thing we know, we're like, oh my gosh, I don't even want the stuff that I used to want. It doesn't even have any place in my life anymore. I don't even desire, I desire the things of God more than anything else. I don't even want that anymore. We can get, the finishing work of Christ is to get to the point where this ratio changes for us. That the things that you used to want, the desires you used to have that were contrary to God, the desires of the flesh, the more you allow God to fill you up, the more you yield to his authority in your life, and you allow him to fill more and more and more, pretty soon, the whole thing changes. And suddenly your desires are different. The whole makeup of who you are is different. God will give you the desires and the power to do what pleases him. So when we surrender to him, when we prioritize the things of God, when we let him be in charge and we're committed to following him with our whole hearts, suddenly we're more filled with his desires than our own. We're not trying to fake our way by pretending to be a Christian or making sure we look like we're a Christian. The actual makeup of who we are has changed. And God finishes the work in us. And he continues to make us more like him, more like him. And the thing that used to feel like a giant that you would never get over suddenly has no power over you anymore. Because you're different. God completes the work in you by pouring more and more and more of himself into you until you become more like him. Paul begins the work, and then God completes the work. God begins the work, and then God completes the work. So Paul was reminding his friends in Philippi that everything good and significant in their lives had been initiated by God. And he was reminding them that God was going to keep working on their lives, in and through them, until their days on earth were done. And I have to think that maybe Paul was just reminding himself a little bit too, as he wrote these words, as he sat in prison, 
unable to do the thing that he loved, unable to teach, unable to go start churches, unable to go see his friends and encourage them. He might have been feeling like God had forgotten about him, that the best days of his work for the kingdom were over. And so he reminded himself as well, I think, that the God who started the work in him was not done with him. Even though his circumstances looked like it might be all over. Paul wrote half of the New Testament, all the prison epistles, those letters that are so important to us. During that time, God was finishing the work in him as well. So what an encouragement for us today. Listen, God has been working in your life from before you were even born. He started orchestrating your plan before the earth was even formed. And every minute of your life has been initiating a good, God has been initiating a good work in you. The work of salvation, the work of spiritual growth and maturity, and the work of building the kingdom. So as we close up today, I have a question for you. How cooperative are you being in the initiatives of God in your life? How well are you cooperating with the work that God is doing in your life? Are you letting him be in control? Or when you feel the tug of the spirit, you simply think, I don't want to do that. Or I think, I think I know the better way. Or God, you can have this part, but you don't get this part. How well are you responding to the initiatives of God in your life? What's the ratio of cream in your coffee today in your life? Are you filling yourself daily with the things of God? When we talk to you about reading the word and praying and spending time listening to God and, and filling yourself with the things of God, it's not just because it's a great discipline because every single time you do one of those things, you're adding a little more cream to your coffee. This is how we grow. And it doesn't have to be all at once. I've actually found that for most of us, it's a process of growing. Every single day, consistently, faithfully, allowing the work. Are you daily filling yourself with the things of God? Are you seeing your desires change? Or are you still wanting your old life, your old hopes, your old dreams? Or are you seeing your desires shift? Or do you feel powerless to change today? The answer, if you're feeling that today, is more and more and more of Jesus. He has started the work, and he will finish the work. Let's bow our heads and pray. God, what a beautiful promise that it's not up to us. You initiated the work. You will complete the work. And Lord, I just find such peace in that, Lord. So often I look at all the steps of my life, all of the different things. Do I do this or that? Or where do I put my effort? And all of those things can start to feel overwhelming. But Lord, today, there's such peace in knowing you're in charge. You started the work in my life. You've started the work over the years that I've known you and walked with you, every single day you've been drawing me closer. And every moment of growth was simply the fact that I responded to that initiative. And so, Lord, I pray today for myself and for everyone else here, God, that we would be radically committed to cooperating with your work. 
But Lord, all the places that you're desiring to bring change and growth and purpose to our lives, Lord, that we would not be resistant. That when you speak, we would have quick obedience to do whatever it is you say. And Lord, as we surrender our lives to you and daily commit ourselves to following in your ways and your truth, Lord, we are expectant for our desires to shift, for us to have the power to walk in this new life that you've promised us. Lord, we believe it. Lord, so today I pray that every person in this place that needs a radical shift in their desires, God, would find themselves open-handed, surrendering everything to you, not holding anything back. Lord, and I pray that as we continue to cooperate with what you're doing, that we would begin to see that movement. We would see our makeup change. We would find our desires shifting to the things of God. Lord, I thank you that you who began the good work in us will be faithful to complete it. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray.